Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, running, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me, your host for the evening, Matthew Bruning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts that are associated with this network. If you want to check all of us out, check us out at FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We've got a special guest joining us today, Mr. Bob Lung, the creator of the Fantasy uh, Football Consistency Guide. He is a FSWA-nominated writer. He's also the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, an all-around great guy, a creator of Big Guy Fantasy Sports. He's one of the best in the industry. We had him on last year as well to talk about his great uh, fantasy football consistency guide and a great way, great tool, actually, to help you win games in identifying consistent players. So he will be jumping on with Dennis Bennett, who you can follow at culture underscore coach, and, of course, Matthew Fox as well, who you can follow at Nighthawk7734. We will be talking to him about consistency and players and how to win your fantasy football leagues. Hello! Let's see here. All right, and we are live on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, if you guys are watching us live, you can see we've got our special guest, as Dennis announced earlier today, Mr. Bob Lung. He is uh, the creator of the Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, which is out now on BigGuyFantasySports.com and Amazon. Um, he is part of the podcasting network that we are and, of course, the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo. Bob, you were on with us last year as well, so thank you for jumping on again this year to talk with me and Dennis about your consistency guide. How you doing? Doing good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to, you know, be a repeat customer. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for that. And uh, looking forward to talk about fantasy football and not talk about viruses. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, pretend like that's not even going on. At the yeah. Moment. Well, yeah. truth be told, I've got it bad. So, well, fantasy yeah. fever. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got fantasy fever. That's it. Yeah. That's the only fever I want to have. We're about oh. to hit the sorrowful time when everyone's finished their rookie drafts, and it's like, what do we do? I don't know. This guy over here was just talking about how he's still running like 20 drafts deep right now. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still no, doing – I that usually have about 20, three or four running, yeah. That was 20 article drafts deep. Oh, my bad. That, that I'm in the process of editing. I was nah. like, I thought Dennis had the lowest amount of leagues among us. He yeah. must have picked up big. 
He saw yeah. your number, Matt, and he wanted to beat it. No, no. Here we go. This, this guy's suckering me into more leagues. Like he, he's like, you know, <laughs> hey, he's like, I got this league together, and he's like, you know, I know you're you you're at a lot right now, but I thought I'd offer. I'm like, yeah, shit, all right. I'll, what's one more? What's one more? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Telling, if you know. you're gonna do, if you're gonna do five, you might as well do fifty. I mean, that's, I'm getting yeah. close to fifty now. That's yeah. I think that's the goal. That's where I'm at <laughs> that now at this point. Well, my thought was. You know, if I, here I'm. I, I've been doing a podcast with Matt for over a year now, and I've been in leagues with him for four or five years now. And yeah. I felt like I just had to tell him and say, "I, I don't want to. I don't want to be a dick and not say, hey, 'Hey, I'm starting this cool new league,' and right. not tell you. It's not my job to tell Matt, hey, 42 leagues is too many.' Yeah, you're. But you're enabling uh, me. That's the problem. You, you got to no, stop. I me. am. Isn't that why <laughs> I, we I all got married? Good. Exactly. Uh, my wife doesn't know about this, you know. I, I just tell her oh, I'm only in like three or four. It's not that big a deal, you know. Just hide the money on the side. When I hopefully, if I win a couple leagues, and all the money comes back, and then we're good to get. So that's know. right. You buy the wife a gift, and you're like, "Oh, here, I got this for exactly. my things." Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Throw, yeah. throw, I throw roses and what's an yeah. edible arrangements at her and everything, sure. and then she gets oh, yeah. pay for it. I, do, I just problem. spent some of my fantasy money on a new patio umbrella and a couple chairs. Perfect. I'm yeah. good. I, hopefully, she's not watching because she's been tuning in <laughs> the last few weeks. So, uh oh. Yeah. See, hey, I'll, if I'll you, there. If you uh, win well. enough, you could just call it your side job. Right. Now, now, I don't. <laughs> too much. Too much uh, stakes in that guy, Baker and Odell, have cost me a lot of my winnings the past. Yeah, I meant that. Yeah. All right, Bob. Well, we usually <laughs> talk about um, you. I mean, you've been in the industry for a long time. Uh, we like to get kind of a background on our guests and everything. So, how did you get started in the fantasy football industry? Yeah. What's your favorite league? Kind of give us a little bit of background on you and fantasy. Well, it's a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. So, uh, I started playing in 1985. Uh, that was before the internet. For those of you keeping track at home. Uh, it was, uh, some, a friend of mine brought home this little, little book, little paperback book from, uh, from the bookstore that he had in the mall. And, uh, he said, Hey, check this out. It's called playing fantasy football by a guy named Chris Charpentier. Uh, and we're like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. So that same league now has been active, uh, since 1985, uh, still touchdown only because that was the only way to make it easy way to score when you're looking at the USA today papers every, every Monday. Uh, and then, uh, 2002, uh, in this touchdown only league, I had Sean Alexander and, uh, you get six points for rushing touchdowns, but you only get three points for passing, receiving and throwing. So basically, you know, star running backs are the key to winning this league. So I had Sean Alexander, 2002 MVP season scores guy rushes for 15 touchdowns. I go seven and seven in the regular season. Don't make the playoffs. I'm pissed. So I'm like, all right, I got to figure this out. I'm an accountant by day. So I'm like, all right, I got to crunch some numbers here. So I start looking at it and I'm like, oh, one week he scored five touchdowns on Monday night. Another game he scores three touchdowns. Another game he scores two. So two thirds of his touchdowns are in only three games. The rest of them are all zeros. So needless to say, I figured out, hey, if he would have just scored one touchdown every week, I would have won two more games, made the playoffs, probably won the championship. So that's where the consistency concept came into play. I said, well, if it works for that, I should try it in my, you know, my PPR leagues. And then long story short, again, kind of through transitions and, and, and knowing people and meeting people, 
I got it into a database, which then got it onto the internet and got it. And so today, now we have the consistency report on the website. You can put it any scoring method you want, and it will show you who the most consistent players are in your league to help you win uh, and improve, you know, your team by being more consistent with the players and not just guys that score lots of points, but do it, you know, inconsistently. So that's kind of how it all came about. Of course, my favorite league is my league that I've been with my buddies for, you know, since 1985. And uh, it's a lot of fun. But, you know, there's, like you said, I'm in a lot of leagues. And uh, I'm in a league with Dennis down in Columbus. we got an Ohio League there. We've, you know, I've got the Kings Classic that we've done the last couple of years at the Hall of Fame with all of the big names in the country. So, you know, all of them have their their perks. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's hard to say no. And somebody says, hey, Bob, you want to do this league with us? It's, you know, it's really cool. You you had me at you had me at do you want to play? Fantasy. Yeah. So what what you're saying is fantasy fans owe a debt of gratitude to Sean Alexander. They do. They I guess they do. You're right. Um, because if he wouldn't if he would have been consistent, I would have won the league. It wouldn't have mattered. Um, <laughs> good point. I never thought of it that way. Uh, so if he ever gets inducted to the Hall of Fame, and I'll have to shake his hand in Canton. Say, Hopefully, hey, you're the one that gets to introduce speech to induct him. That would be nice if I could be his presenter, but I don't think that's going to happen. But. Well, you'll just have to settle for driving him around. Yeah, I'll just drive him around. <laughs> you should send him a copy of your consistency guide. I pass uh, out a lot of consistency guides to the Hall of Famers when they come in town. That's for sure. Warren Moon gets one every year. Uh, Roger Worley, who I drove one year. Uh, Andre Tippett. Uh, all those guys are all you know become friends of mine through my driving at the Hall of Fame every year. And so... Um, yeah, I always like have a, have them in my car, and I just hey Warren, here you go. Oh, thanks, man. That was a great magazine. I read it last year. Good. Why don't you like invest in this and put this on the <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't you use that money you have and you know invest in? Oh, I don't know me, but hasn't happened yet. But we're working on it. Well, I don't know if you've watched the news the last few years. Warren's been a little challenged with his money. <laughs> well, yeah, that and challenged with his uh, his his personal assistance too. And I saw her. Yeah. I had done it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I know why that happened. Yeah, I got you. All right, so I want to jump on real quick. You said that you have the the consistency report that you can kind of plug in, you said, with your leagues and stuff. Is that on your website? Yeah, so that's on Big Guy Fantasy Sports, part of the consistency awesome. tools. Uh, you can go there and check that out. And, uh, you know, th- there's that and there's some other cool tools. I mean, we created a prop bet consistency tool last year. So if you're into the prop bet world, you can go in there and, and from the prop bets that are set up at each week. So if it's, you know, Tom Brady passing yards, 275 for this game, you can go see, you know, how consistently he's done 275 yards this year, last three years, uh, home away against good defenses, bad defenses, all that kind of good stuff that you also get on, you know, the big guy fantasy sports site. So uh, trying to expand into the little bit into the gambling world and, so we're going to work on the prop bets. So we did that last year, and that'll be out again for this year. So, uh, so yeah. So that's uh, kind of the cool stuff we're doing out there, and uh, we're going to do. We were doing actually consistency for fantasy baseball head-to-head leagues, and then of course that came to a screeching halt after all this started. So, but uh, that's our new thing they're working on for the baseball fans out there. So once baseball kicks in, that'll be live again. So. I'm excited about that. I'm in a, I'm in my fair amount of baseball fantasy leagues as well. That's I'm only in one. It's one of my problems. I'm I'm in ten of those on top okay. of my many other unfortunately. Yeah. Fantasy that football. Impressive. Impressive. 
What's up? <laughs> and you're still married. That's impressive. Hey. I, well, I'm lucky that she's actually technically working right now. She works uh, all night long. So that's when I, I technically uh, take all my time to do my fantasy. Gotcha. Stuff. Best you know. of both worlds there. Very nice. Sleep is for yeah. the week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. It's, it's not always the best of both worlds, but I, I try to manage my time wisely. I'm oh, sure. Of course. It's not always the best, though. All right, so let's talk about this guy because it was awesome last year. Uh, I, I really like diving into it and everything. There was a lot of uh, really interesting stuff that uh, was in it. And I want to start with the, the key terms that you have on there with the clutch players. I'm sorry, clutch, being clutch, clutch game, and the clutch factor, clutch rate. How do players earn that? And is the process different for running backs and wide receivers compared to that of quarterbacks? Yes. So each position, uh, the best thing to do, we'll start at the clutch factor. So at each position, and when you when you go on the uh, site and you look at the consistency tools, look at that consistency report, you can actually click on the drop down menu where you can change the scoring method. And it literally will show you the clutch factor for each position. Okay. So each position um, factor is based on Basically, uh, you know, there's some there's some different calculations that go on in the background, but here's the idea of what it's supposed to do. The factor is that if you exceed at that position over the factor the, every week, you should be in the top 12 quarterbacks, top 24 running backs, top 36 receivers, and top 12 tight ends. Basically, you're worth being on a starting lineup in a fantasy league of 12 teams. That's the idea. And that's what you want. You want your players every week to be earning enough points at their position to be worthy of being a starter on your team. If they're not, then they're not consistent. Uh, so that's kind of the idea. And, and, and it fluctuates, like you said, by year, by position. So like, you know, last year, quarterbacks were like 19.43. If you were, were over that, you earned a clutch game. Um, and that's what happens. So you earned a clutch game by being over that factor for the week. And then your clutch rate is your consistency rate is how many clutch games divided by the number of games played. So if you're 12 out of 16, you're 75%. That's good. I mean, basically, if you're over 60%, you're, uh, you're good. If you're over 70, 75%, that's you know, very good, excellent, elite. Of course, 90 and over, which for the elite. Um, you know, guys like Elliot and Barkley and those kind of people um, at every position. But, yeah, so the, the factors are different. And the scoring method, obviously, if you're in PPR, I think it's like about – uh, but a little bit over 10, 11 points for uh, wide receivers and, and running backs. They're not exactly the same, but it's about the same amount, which is the way it was supposed to be set up. PPR is supposed to kind of balance out wide receivers and running backs, you know, to be, you know, kind of close in total points. Uh, tight ends are usually around eight to nine points at a PPR. Uh, I always say basically if you can get a tight end that scores a touchdown in a week, they probably earned a clutch game because – one catch for one yard for a touchdown is eight points. You're almost there. So, <laughs> um, but that's how the clutch factor, which leads to clutch games, which leads to clutch rate all comes into play. All right. Very interesting. So obviously this guide is based on the consistency, consistency. I struggle to say that word uh, <laughs> to help produce and help you win games. So how would you quantify consistency and why is it important to build your squad around it? Well, I think it's I, I always say that the consistency concept, the consistency information is kind of like the fries to your value meal, your happy meal. All right. 
it's not the the end all. I'm not telling people that if you just read this magazine, you will always win. Obviously, we all love to say that, but it doesn't work out that way. So you want to have a, a draft arsenal of of data and information. So, you know, if you got your big site, whether it's ESPN or Fantasy Alarm or whoever you want to go to to get your big information, all your data and that kind of stuff, that's fine. Get that there. But then get this consistency information, whether it's the guide or the website or whatever you want to use and kind of put that in there as you're looking at players. So when you get to two players that seem very uh, similar in total points from the year before, look at their consistency because you might be surprised that one guy might be at 80% and the other guy might be at 60%. And that's where it makes the difference. If you draft the guy who's 80% consistent, then he's going to be more helpful for your team down the road, you know, every week, than your guy who's 60% consistent, uh, even though they scored the same amount of points. So that's kind of how we want to build it around. I mean, I always build my starting core team on the consistency of the players. Then I'll take flyers maybe after, you know, uh, round eight, nine, 10 later on, take some chances on rookies or guys who may have not been consistent in the past, but have a new role, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, I went to have top six or seven guys that are my starters, running backs, wide receivers, quarterback, tight end. I want those guys to be in that 70% and higher rate rating that I feel comfortable that they're going to help my team. That's why I always draft. All right. You just mentioned the rookies and, and everybody kind of has rookie fever right now, right? Everybody's in these rookie drafts. We're all kind of clamoring for these guys, Jonathan Taylor's JK Dobbins, CD lambs of the world, because they're new, exciting coming out of college. You don't have uh, anything consistency-wise on those because technically they don't have any consistency. They're coming right. from college into the NFL. They haven't proved anything yet. So how do you value those picks in getting those players compared to those that have proven track records already in the NFL? Right. Well, I, I tell people that uh, you know when they start asking, and this question gets asked in every podcast I do, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but if you, if, if you have your guide in front of you, please refer to page nine, and you'll see an article that I write every year called Rookies Versus Consistency. And this is what I put together numbers wise, data wise to show people why I may not be a big fan of rookies. It's not that there's not great rookies that come out. We've seen the Zeke Elliott's, we've seen the Saquon Barkley's that they certainly have the talent and, and have, you know, made a difference. But um, so since 2010, which is when I started putting this data together, I'm only just, just in the first four rounds of being drafted at the four positions there has been 428 players drafted rounds one through four quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end 428 of those 428, only 36 of them in their rookie season exceeded 60% consistency, which is basically the good level. So that means only 8.4% of all rookies have been worthy of being basically in your starting lineup in their rookie season. Um, and surprisingly, when you look at the names in the article, you'll see that some will be, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, you know, uh, Cam Newton maybe, or, you know, Michael, Michael uh, Thomas, that kind of stuff, uh, or Barkley and Elliott, of course. Uh, but you also see names on there that like disappeared after the rookie season, like Zach Spacey, yeah. Carlos Williams. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not a, a, you know, it's not necessarily the, you know, hey, if this guy is over 60% in his rookie season, that means he's going to be a stud. Um, the only position that I could say that does hold true for kind of is a, a wide receivers, where you see that the list of wide receivers there who have earned over 60% in their rookie season 
all have maintained to being consistent since then. The Mike Evans, you know, uh, Julio, all these guys, AJ Green, all of them, uh, that it looks like wide receivers uh, seem to hold hold that consistency moving forward. So if you look at last year, Debo Samuel and, and DK Metcalf were the only two over 60%. I like them guys going forward into this year because, you know, they've already proven they can be consistent in their offense. Pretty much nothing has changed greatly for either one of their teams. So I, I like them, you know, as picks this year uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, all these stars coming in, all these rookies, the rookie wide receivers, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, people, like you said, are, are reaching for Jonathan Taylor's and, you know, uh, CEH. Um, I always forget what his full name is. Clyde Edwards. Uh, hey, Larry. Blair. Um, so, you know, obviously they're reaching for him because they're in good positions and maybe they will be over 60% consistent. But again, when 92% or almost 92% of the rookies coming out don't earn over 60% the first year, I'm probably not going to take too many, too many risks unless I can get them after round eight, which normally they go along before that. So looking at the list of rookie running backs and and how it, it apply, how, how to apply consistency there. It looks like most of them were drafted into a relatively clear path to, to usage. So is that something when you look at rookies, do you look and say, well, Devin Singletary showed, quite a lot so that the opportunity for zach moss to be consistent right is, is not going to be there clyde edwards alaire was drafted into kansas city and damian williams is there but edwards alaire is uh clearly a better talent right do does how much does the situation play into maybe identifying those running backs that are that are going to uh hit that consistency threshold right well, obviously, a good player going into the starting position like Barkley, like Zeke, uh, that's you know pretty much a no-brainer. And usually, they get drafted in the first round like those two guys did. Um, you know, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell was a, you know second-round pick, but he, when he went into Pittsburgh, there really wasn't anybody in front of him. So those are the obviously make a big difference. And and almost all the running backs this year that were drafted have a, a veteran starter in front of them it's a question of how quickly can they beat them out? Uh, like you said, Damien Williams, you know, Marlon Mack with uh, Jonathan Taylor in, in for the Colts. We've got DeAndre Swift and carry on Johnson in Detroit. So it's hard for them to be consistent over the year. Here's what usually happens is they don't do anything for four or five weeks. And then all of a sudden, either that starter gets hurt or they finally just give up that that starter is not, not pulling his weight then they let them start for the last six, seven, you know, maybe last second half of the season, they might go eight for eight, but for the season they're eight for 16. So they're 50%. Right. So that's kind of things that you kind of look at, especially after their first year, they may be 50% consistent, but if they had a great second half and they go eight for eight, seven for eight, something like that, then certainly going forward into their second year, you know, like a Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is a good example of that from last year. You know, start out, you know, Jordan Howard. No, it was not Jordan Howard. Uh, yeah. Jordan Howard was ahead of him. And then all of a sudden, he finally just said, okay, well, Howard's not, you know, we might as well just take a shot and let Sanders be the main guy and let him play the rest of the year. And he was 78% consistent over the last eight or nine games. Now he's the main starter and certainly worthy of, of you know, 
being the starter for that team and being a good value fantasy wise. So <clears throat> yeah, all that stuff, you know, wide receivers, same way. And they may get a starting role, but how much are they going to be involved in the offense if they've got a, a, a top number one on the other side? So, you know, there's, that's why I think wide receivers seem to have a little bit better chance of getting some consistency uh, than the starters at, at running back because usually they at least have a role as a slot receiver or the number two receiver on their team. Very nice. Bless you, Matt. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so Lamar, ja- Lamar Jackson shocked the world last year. Uh, you know, his rookie year, he, he was okay. But he, he was the top rookie uh, quarterback last year. What are your projections for him this year going forward? Well, I think with any time you see those kind of absurd numbers, just like Patrick Mahomes did the year before, you have to expect some kind of regression. It's very difficult for anybody to you know improve or even match. I mean, if you remember from the years when Brady and Manning threw over 50 touchdowns, you know, the next year they went down to, you know, 35, 37 um, I think even one of them got hurt. I forget if it was Brady or or, or Manning. Manning. Um, yeah. So, you know, and look at Mahomes. Mahomes, you know, yes, he did get injured, wasn't himself, but even he struggled, you know, it was only like 75% consistent this year, which is good, but not two years ago, Mahomes good. So I expect him to t- tail off. I mean, teams are going to be going to focus more on trying to stop him. Um, it's tough. He's very talented, but you know, I also kind of go back to the RG three, his rookie season, you know, he just lit, lit the place on fire, but then a couple of knee injuries, a couple of bad hits. Uh, when you run that much, you're taking a risk, you're getting going to get clocked at some point and could get injured. And that's what always scares me about those kind of players that wears and tears on them. And next thing you know, you're almost, you know, you're, you're barely in the league as a backup, like RG three. Man, RG three when he 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 always his listed weight always looked like so much heavier than he actually looked. When I looked, man, he had those skinny legs and skinny yeah. arms, and I was like, man, that guy can't run and hold up. Yeah. Well, and Lamar's not. I mean, he's still pretty thin too. I mean, the last time we had a big, you know, Cam Newton, Dante Culper were the two guys that I remember that have speed, had speed and beef. And could you know right. put it up with the you know could put up with the, the the hitting, but you know even that you're just like it's still going to wear and tear on you. I mean that's not the quarterback's job to be out there running all day long, so it makes it a little bit difficult. I you know as much as I love Lamar Jackson as a player and certainly a fantasy person, and the legs certainly help. It just scares me when you have to trust them to to do that that often. So we'll see. Is it how dangerous he is with his legs that boost him up so much for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, anybody that can, you know, put, put fantasy points together running. I mean, think about every rushing yard is the equivalent of, you know, two and a half of your passing yards or maybe two, depending on your your league scoring. But usually it's passing is one yard or one point for every 20 or 25 yards. Well, if that guy's getting one point for every 10 yards, I mean, that's two and a half times better. So why not, you know, continue that? I remember back in the day uh, when I was doing consistency and Michael Vick was in the league and people were like, well, Michael Vick sucks because, you know, a consistent quarterback throws for 250 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. But his 150 yards rushing combined with his 150 yards passing is the equivalent of, you know, uh, whatever it was, you know, 300 or 300 yards. So, 
um, it was funny because I remember people were like, oh, but, you know, it's passing so bad. I'm like, so what? It, fantasy points are fantasy points. I don't care how he gets them, yeah. whether it's running or throwing or touchdowns or not touchdowns. Points are points, you know, and if they could put it up, then I'm all in. So going through your process and putting together this guide, who was the QB that surprised you the most on the good side and the bad side? I think the one that surprised me on the most on the good side was Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, it's like he kind of came in mid-year. Um, you know, nobody was really enamored with who he, what he was in Miami. Um, you know, he, he took over for Mariota. And then next thing you know, he just quietly, quietly rips off, you know, nine clutch games out of, t- out of 10 games. Well, granted nine out of 12, uh, first couple, we kind of struggle a little bit, but you know, the amazing thing is then he went into the playoffs and he didn't do anything fantasy wise yeah. because, you know, Derrick Henry was rushing for 150, 200 yards a game and busting off three or four touchdowns. And so he didn't need to do that. That's what kind of scares me. A lot of people are like, well, then are you super high on Tannehill going to this year? It's like, well, I kind of want to be, but on the other hand, what if Henry keeps running very well and that defense is very good? Um, you know, he certainly could have those games where only has to throw for 175 yards and a touchdown because Henry's going crazy. So, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with him as a backup, but it just surprised me how good his numbers was were in those 12 games that he played. Uh, and, you know, again, you know, he was third overall ranked uh, with 75% consistency at quarterback. So, wow. What about on the bad side? It could probably be this guy right here. I don't know if you can see him. <laughs> well, yeah, this guy, number six. Uh, yeah. 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 He was definitely very disappointing. But I, but I, when I look at bad, I want to say, okay, who was the highest ranked guy that disappointed the most? And a lot, a lot of people, many, many people will be very surprised by this because I'm talking about the quarterback who is ranked number four overall in total points. And that was Russell Wilson, who was only 56% consistent for the season because he has, he had a great start to the season. In fact, he went five out of six over his first six games, but then he went five out of 10 over his last group. And when you do that kind of stuff, you know, you know, he, he missed, you know, week 14, week 16 didn't earn over 19 points. So there's your playoffs. He hurt you there. If you got to the playoffs with him, but like I said, after those first six games, the running game, everything kind of came into play for them. And his consistency was terrible, which is really surprising because Wilson has always been a very consistent quarterback, always around 70%. Um, you know, a couple years ago, he was number one overall in total points, uh, last or two years ago, he was 10th or yeah, 17. He was number one. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what to think of. Like I I've done some best ball drafts in that, but I've kind of stayed away from Wilson because he's still going in the third, fourth round. He's definitely an early quarterback fifth, maybe. But when you could get guys like Drew Brees and Matt Ryan in, in, you know, rounds nine and 10. Why would I take Russell Wilson that early when I know I can get 70, 75% consistency automatically from Breeze and Ryan every year? How many, um, I'm sorry, wrong thing here. Tom Brady uh, has kind of been the picture of consistency here the past oh, probably two decades he's been in the league or however long it's been. How do you see him progressing here now, moving on to Tampa Bay with the best two wide receivers he's had since – He's had Randy Moss back, whatever that was. Was it 2016, 17? Was yeah. It 
Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. So, you know, Randy two, Moss was uh, 2007, the, I think. The best two wide receivers since Randy Moss and anybody. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd take Randy, Randy Moss and me. He might take uh, Godwin over Moss. I would take right. Moss. Yeah, it's, and it's funny because Brady's ADP is not as high as I was thinking it would be. Like, I thought as soon as he went there, his ADP for, uh, you know, for um, for quarterbacks would be much higher. I'm trying to see what my the most recent Brady Brady. Do you think it's because the ADP right now is mostly dynasty and Brady's 43? Maybe that could be. I mean, but a lot of these, a lot of the ones going on right now are best ball. And I would think in a best ball league, why would you not take Brady? So I looked, uh, ADP is like round 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Basically the same spot as the other old guys, Breeze and Brian. Um, so I have him ranked 10th for this year. I mean, okay. now his consistency last year was very, very bad. It was only 24th overall, 44%. Um, and I get it. You know, he didn't have a great team around him. You know, Gronk was was out. Um, you know, the, the, the passing game outside of Julian Edelman was pretty much non-existent. They tried to run the ball more. You know, they were very successful. They won because they know how to win with Belichick and Brady, et cetera. But consistency-wise, he didn't have it. But just two years ago, in 2017, he was second in total points, ninth in consistency. And like I said, it's amazing to me how you can see two wide receivers ranked in the top five in Evans and Godwin this year. For most projections, he's in, they're in at least the top ten, if not the top five. How does Tom Brady not be a consistent top ten quarterback? That's That amazes me. So um, I'm all in on Tom. I think he'll have a very good season, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I mean, I don't think he's gonna, you know, he's certainly not gonna put up, you know, Mahomes and Jackson and those kind of numbers. Right. But if you want a guy who's gonna be a very consistent quarterback, you could get, like I said, in the double digit rounds, you know, round 10, 11, and whether you know, maybe you get Breeze and Brady as your two, you know, 10, 11 picks. That's what I've been doing a lot of my best ball drafts, is kind of loading up. You know, rounds one through nine, and then go either between Ryan, Bright, Breeze, or Brady is the next two quarterbacks I'm taking, and I'm I'm fine with that. So, and I'll probably do that in my starter leagues if they'll let me. You know, if I can, they'll fall that far. So, so I like to by position in your guide. You have uh, the undervalued section. I think that's something we talk about a lot mm-hmm. uh, on this show. Is how important it is to find those values. There was a couple of names on the quarterback list that stood out to me. Uh, as guys I think uh, a lot of people have given up on in Jared Goff and Ben Roethlisberger. What uh, what stands out about them to you? Well, you know, Roethlisberger is, is in the same realm as Brady and Breeze and those guys. He's old. You know, everybody thinks he's done, but he's not. I mean, he's, you know, yes, he got injured. Yes, that, you know, but he's, he seems to be healthy. He seems to be throwing well already. Um, you know, his, his ADP is like QB 17. Uh, but how do you not pick him as your backup? Again, if you can get him pretty late in the draft as your backup, I, I don't see why you wouldn't want to take that chance because you know what you're going to get with him. As long as he stays healthy, he's still got a very good team around him. And he'll certainly be throwing the ball a lot, especially when he's in a division with you know, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals, who are all, you know, I mean, the Bengals got a better quarterback now. The Browns will be better. They got a better line. So I think they're going to start putting up more points. So I like Roethlisberger as definitely as a backup. I'm not sure I'd grab him as my starter, but definitely as a backup in, in any league, just because you you have a solid veteran. You know, Jared Goss, one of those guys that 
Um, you know, he had a respectable year. He was ranked 12th in total points, 10th in consistency. But, man, his second half, he had five straight clutch games at the end of the year. You know, they've lost Brandon Cooks. Uh, you know, they don't have a uh, – you know, we don't know what they're going to do from a running back perspective. You've either got a rookie or Daryl Henderson. So my thought is, is Goff's going to be throwing the ball a lot. And, you know, they've lost some people in, in their defense. So I have a feeling they're really going to be struggling to keep up in games. I can see Goff, just like he did at the end of the year, throw quite a bit. So, again, I, you know, if I could get him as my backup, I'm, I'm feeling better about it. Uh, but, you know, and he's going pick, ele- you know, round 11, quarterback 15. I think I have him ranked like 13th. So, you know, a little bit higher. But I, I like both of them if you can get him as your backup, definitely. Well, it seems like a lot of the guys we've brought up you uh, are talking about is kind of QB twos. Who's like right on the fringe there for you? Is that last kind of elite where you're t- you're talking about earlier QBs one through twelve, right? That that's the guys that you want to produce every week. Who's like right there on the fringe for you that you think is the last of that tier? Um, you know, right now it's basically uh, I'm going to say Carson Wentz. Um, okay. I, I have him there. Uh, him and Goffer eleven and twelve. Um, like I said, Brady's at 10. So I, I kind of have those two. I kind of like Wentz too, because again, last year he put up some solid numbers, not great numbers, but solid numbers. And think about the wide receiver core he had. It was brutally awful. So, you know, he gets a bunch of new rookies, um, you know, that came over. So I, I have to believe that he's going to have a much more consistent season uh, and the total points should definitely go up as well. Uh, I still have Deshaun Jackson, which don't sleep on him. Grab him in like round 25 or whatever your best ball drafts because he still is going to be a favorite of Wentz because he's that veteran. Uh, and then after a while, he'll get hurt probably, you know, middle of week one. Uh, but, <laughs> but then he'll be fine. No. Um, so, you know, he won't, he probably won't last long. He'll get hurt. But who knows? You know, he's certainly going to be, I, I, like I said, I'm getting a bunch of best ball drafts for sure. So. All right, moving on to the running backs. It seems like more and more teams are moving toward these committee backfields. We're not really seeing a whole lot of these workhorses like Barkley, Zeke, CMC, as much as we used to. Does that factor into your rate, uh, your consistency rankings and how you do it? And if it does, how? Well, yeah, and, and obviously you, that's what you got to look at. So let's say a player, you know, like a carry on Johnson or uh, Marlon Mack, some of these guys who have had decent seasons prior to this, you know, now they got to share. Uh, so definitely I've knocked some of them down in my rankings because I know that at some point and kind of like last year with Nick Chubb, you know, Nick Chubb was, you know, went wildfire for the first eight games until Kareem Hunt came into play. And then he went 50% consistent over the second half of the season while Kareem Hunt went 75% of the second half of the season. So that's the kind of stuff you have to look at and not look at the overall numbers to go, oh, well, yeah, you know, great numbers. But now is there is there somebody trying to share those carries with him uh, and especially those these roles where the rookies are coming into play, uh, you know, like Detroit and, you know, the Colts, et cetera. So uh, I definitely take that into, uh, into play more from the ranking standpoint, you know, um, but it definitely affects their consistency when there's somebody in there, like a third down back that takes away from a, a guy that's usually the one, you know, one, two back. So that's what you got to look at. You know, you brought up Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And in the consistency guide, you do some standard valuations and some PPR valuations. Right. I, I don't, I'm not, I, I, I don't have them sitting in front of me to compare. Off the top of your head, did, 
Uh, Chubb hold his value much better in the standard leagues? Without looking, I would say probably yes. And then I'm getting to that <laughs> as we're talking. Um, <clears throat> let me see here. Chubb, 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 Chubb. So, yeah. So, um, actually, surprisingly, he, he maintained the 75%. He didn't get any better. Uh, so, he was 75% in both the... Um, you know, the PPR leagues and the standard leagues. And I think mostly because he kind of, you know, he, he still put up good numbers in, in both situations, his rushing yards, probably rushing yards and touchdowns probably got him enough points, regardless of the scoring method to get him those games. So it didn't, it didn't affect him that much at all. So, um, so yeah. That was my subtle way of pointing out in this magazine, you get both PPR and standard <laughs> valuation. So go out and buy the magazine, friends. But the one thing I think you're going to see is that, m- believe it or not, most of the players don't aren't affected as much as you think. Now, the obvious guys are guys like Austin Eck. The guys who are those, those backs that catch a lot of passes, they are affected. So, you know, Austin Eckler lost four clutch games. So he goes from 12 at, you know, 75% consistent in a PPR league in a stater league. He's 10 out of 16. So minus four games, he loses, uh, you know, the, the one that actually surprised me that dropped also four games was Leonard Fournette, but I think he did catch more balls last year and became, you know, more of it. So we'll see. They brought in Chris Thompson, but he's made a glass. So I'm not expecting him to last long. Uh, but I think, you know, for Minette's definitely, Got a he's he's got a contract to play for. It may not be in Jacksonville, but he's going to play for a contract somewhere. Yeah, I think he called like seventy plus balls last year, didn't he? Yeah, it was. It was yeah. He had he, yeah, surprising. Yeah. All right, so Barkley and Elliott both were amazing in 2018. Elliott had already been in the league, obviously Barkley, a rookie that year, but both struggled last year. Different reasons. Barkley suffered that injury. Zeke put on a lot of weight in the off season, really didn't seem to shed any of that as we went through the season. How does your God have them shaping up in 2020, which could be a huge year for both of them? Well, Barkley definitely dropped off. Um, he went from being 90% in his rookie season to 69% last year, but let's be honest. We all know what it was. It had to do with that ankle injury. I, you know, he probably came back a little early, but you know, he he felt he could do it. He he didn't do a bad job, but certainly not the Saquon Barkley that we all know and love. Uh, that didn't affect his ADP heading into this year. He's still one, two, or three. So people feel like, oh, okay, well he'll be healthy, he'll be fine. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure how, your 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 hate for Zeke because he was oh, 30 total points and he was 94 percent consistent. If that's dropping off, then I'll take that every year. <laughs> It is off. He should be at 99. It should be a hundred percent. He should be. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the only reason he wasn't at a hundred is because I think the Cowboys took the last, uh, the week 17 off because they are already in the playoffs. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, Zeke is Zeke. Actually, um, they didn't make the playoffs. Oh, that's a good. Point. Yeah, they, yeah. Pro- they took many weeks off Yeah, uh, during true. the season. Yeah. Which is amazing when you got, uh, Elliot was number three in fantasy and Dak Prescott was number two in fantasy and somehow they don't make the playoffs, but anyway, uh, maybe their team as a whole wasn't consistent. Let's wait till we get a little bit lower. We talk about Matt's favorite player. Oh yeah, yeah, Mr. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, like I said, yeah, I, I you could easily take Zeke over McCaffrey, especially in a standard league. 
But I know right at this point, Zeke's definitely the number two off the board. I'm taking him ahead of Barkley. I know Barkley certainly could put up some big numbers, but uh, you know, I kind of Barkley or I'm sorry, Elliott's the only running back who has put up three straight 90% consistency seasons. The only one, not McCaffrey. You know, Barkley played long enough, but Kamara, none of them. So, you know, you definitely get which, you know, you get what you pay for when you take Elliot. So if you Elliot falls to three and you get him, be happy. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I love me some Zeke. I, I want to actually touch on Kamara really quick. I'm glad you brought him up because I kind of left him off of here. He's another guy who's, I guess, kind of considered up there in that elite tier of the mm-hmm. running back, but he yep. also kind of struggled a little bit last year as well. How do you right. have him going forward? In well, again, you know, he's, he came out, you know, this off season and said that basically, you know, his legs were 75%. He was at 75% last year. It, it He felt. So if he was at 75% and he was still ninth in total points and 86% consistent, I have no problem drafting him this year for sure. Um, you know, if he's a hundred percent this year and, you know, you, you basically have Drew Brees and his what we'll call his final season. He's already signed a contract to be on TV. Uh, he says whenever he wants to, but let's be honest, they, if he goes out with a championship or, or they, you know, something goes bad, he, he's, he's retiring. Um, so I think Kamara is going to have another great year. I think he'll get back to that, you know, 90% consistency, probably top four or five in total points. Uh, you know, if his legs could be back to hundred percent, heck even 90%, that's still better than he, you know, than he was last year. And I'll take that every day. What are your thoughts on a uh, Kenyon Drake? I feel like when he's been on the field, he's shown a lot of talent and produced, whether that was with Miami before he got Adam Gase. And then even when he went over to Arizona, I feel a lot of it's injury related on why he hasn't, but what does your guide showed you on him? Well, basically when he was in Miami, you know, he had uh, Gaseitis or whatever the, whatever the disease is that basically running backs run into and Adam Gase is their coach. Um, that and the fact that, you know, he had to have Frank Gore there to be a problem. Um, but here's the interesting thing, and, and this is in the guide as well, uh, if you would refer to page 54. Uh, here's the thing I wrote about Gase, is that, or Gase, Drake, is that once he came to the 49ers, or the Cardinals, um, you know, when he went against, he had five out of his eight games were against top 10 defenses. Well, you know, um, so that was troublesome because then he went only two, for, you know, he went, or I'm sorry, yeah. So, you know, it, when he played against top 10 defenses, he struggled, except that one game against the 49ers. Against top defenses, top 15 defenses, he was only 50% consistent, but but against bottom 10 defenses, he was 100%. So overall, he was 55% consistent in those eight games that he played for the Cardinals. Well, 55% consistency doesn't even make a starting lineup. So he really shouldn't even be in the top 24, but I'm seeing this guy being drafted in top 15. Um, so I'm a little hesitant of giving him too much love yet. He had some great games, but he also had some duds and his great games were mostly against guys like, Oh, I don't know the Browns. Um, so, you know, the, so, the knife comes in again. Yeah. That's why I'm a Browns fan too. Let me <laughs> remind you that. Uh, so, I loved Drake when he was in Miami because I knew he had the talent. I do believe he has the talent. Um, it's just a question of, you know, how is he going to, you know, because again, remember, he's got to play the 49ers twice, the Seahawks twice. I mean, there's some good defenses there. I'm a little worried that maybe, you know, it might be a reach to get try to think about grabbing him 
you know, is at RB one, which again is ADP right now is RB eleven. So, so uh, I really liked on your undervalued list. Uh, you had Raheem Mostert, who's a guy I've been grabbing kind of late, and I wrote about this week. Uh, obviously, we've seen him flash a little bit in both the last two seasons, but he hasn't seemed to get a consistent workload there in San Francisco. What do you like about him? Well, last year I had a man crush on Chris Carson, and it was and it worked out pretty well. He was an RB2, and that's what I wanted him to be. Well, my man crush this year is Raheem Mostert every day, all day, and here's why. Uh, please refer to the guide on page 69 if you would. Uh, last year in the is last Bob, games, yes, you keep making us refer to pages. Is there going to be a test? No, I'm not. No. I haven't been taking notes. Dennis, it's no, like I'm being just... in church when they ask you right, to turn to your right. hymnal. Yeah, you turn okay. to your hymnal so that you guys can follow along what I'm reading. That's all. Um, but <laughs> so as I put in, in, in the guide, uh, under the Raheem Mostert profile, I said, uh, you'll see that Mostert earned six out of his eight clutch games over the last six weeks, which is when they let him be basically the starter. During that span, he earned 17.58 fantasy points per game. It was 100% consistent. And let's also remember that that carried forward into the playoffs where he kicked Green Bay's ass. It actually did pretty good in the other games, not as great as he did in Green Bay. So if you looked at the snap counts or the snaps for you know uh, the other running backs, during those games, it wasn't much at all. But yet, the funny thing is that <laughs> funny. <laughs> nice, love that. I didn't know we had people popping in like that. He's not um, even. He's not even looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so you know, I'm all in. And Mostert's ADP is like RB twenty eight. I'm getting this my RB three in every best ball, every draft I'm doing, uh, and. You know, or or what I've done is I've drafted three wide receivers and my quarterback. Like I've done a Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and three running backs, and then drafted like Raheem Mostert and uh, Ronald Jones, who's also my other man crush uh, this year. And I'm like, I'm good with those two guys because I'm loaded at the top with the other guys. So I love Mostert. I'm all in. Um, I will not be surprised if he ends up being maybe even an RB one uh, in the top twelve this year if you know they continue to go with you know shanahan keeps continuing to run with it which he appears to be they didn't draft anybody they didn't shanahan's like the anti-gaze so i feel like we know what right we can expect yeah he knows he knows when he has talent and he knows how to use it i think most are continues i mean they already let Breed go so basically yeah. it's you know uh mckinnon who may or may not play because he's made a glass as well and and then you've got uh tevin coleman who you know, was off and on, you know, would probably be a good third down back as well. So I think Mostert is the man and I'm, I'm all in, man. No doubt about it. Jeff Wilson doesn't get any love. Uh, You know, every once in a while though, you know, he'll, he'll kind of pull the Sean Payton with Tyson Hill kind of thing. And, you know, throw two games a year. No, no, not Tyson Hill. (laughs) We've brought up all of, all of me and Matt's favorite players. So, I know. You, I just heard Ronald Jones a minute ago, and I got excited. You, I, I don't even have to do it with myself. Well, speaking of Ronald Jones, obviously right. you're not the only one that has a man crush on uh, Ronald Jones. Matt's been waving this that guy, flag right for nine, 95 seasons. I High saw five. him on your uh, undervalued list, too, and I wanted okay. to get to that. Do you have any concerns at all? Obviously, uh, Jones probably in that range of names that a lot of people have 
potentially maybe wanted to give up on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, who I think is getting a, a much uh, much more draft love. But I see you have Jones on your undervalued list. What stands out to you about him, and do you worry at all about Vaughn? Um, I don't because they needed to get a backup. They let Peyton Barber walk. So they had to get somebody. And, you know, they know that, you know, they saw what they saw in Ronald Jones. And here's what they saw in the nine games last year where Ronald Jones touched the ball 15 or more times in a game. He averaged 14.4 fantasy points and it was 78% consistent. That's what they saw when they gave Ronald Jones the ball in a game and said, okay, we're going to rely on you as our starter this time and not give the ball to Peyton Barber half the time. He produced. And that's why they let Barber walk. They went and got a rookie because they need somebody as a backup and somebody for the future. Because let's say, let's say Ronald Jones, you know, has another great year. Well, are they going to want to pay him or are they going to let him walk? And then, you know, because that's how they do with running backs anymore in the NFL. Uh, whether you're good or not, if you're 28 year old, you're, you're done. You're, you're too old. Get out so that they bring in the next guy. So that was what my thought was. They just needed a new backup. And, you know, I think Keshawn Fawn is a fine player and probably would be a good backup. But at this point, it's Ronald Jones's job to lose. And he proved that in those games when he got the ball and he got the ball on a consistent basis, he put up consistent numbers. That's why I love Ronald Jones. And with his value of ADP of like 33 or RB35, how do you not take a chance on him? And like I said, if you want to go running back early, you could load up on them and then get Mostert and Jones as your 2-3 or your 3-4 maybe. Yeah, I was just too early, two years early on Jones, but yeah. it's finally coming around for me, it sounds like. I'm, I'm excited about that. It's all coming up bad on the podcast here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's probably not a good thing, though. I mean, so this means it's going to be a bad year for me is what it sounds like. All right, so wide receivers. We had a lot of fun talking about Hopkins and Julio last year. I, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Hopkins was like the only wide receiver with, a, I think it was Antonio Brown, that had mm-hmm. produced at like a certain level last year. So how does Michael Thomas fit into that now as a guy who, at least from my perspective and the fantasy perspective, has been extremely consistent the past couple of years? Right, and he has. And without a doubt, Michael Thomas took that step into that elite uh, tier one, you know, this year in my rankings and my preview, uh, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins are the top four. Um, those are the four in tier one. Um, other guys want to be there. They they have issues. Uh, so there's no question, Michael Thomas, you know, it's it's one of those things of <clears throat> do you want to take a guy that early? I mean, he's going like 104, 105 in many drafts. I mean, I love my wide receivers, but man, if I'm sitting there and I got to choose between Kamara and Thomas, I'm taking Kamara. Um, but you know, everybody has their, their, their ideas and, and, you know, I'm not going to argue with them. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's not a bad player, 94% consistent, uh, you know, first in total points. I think it was a hundred points ahead of second place. Um, you know, so, or almost a hundred. So yeah, I, I have no, you know, Michael Thomas certainly is a stud and he's going to go in the first round. And it's just a question of how soon you want to take him if you want him that bad. Does Hopkins going to Arizona worry you at all with the consistency he's shown there in Houston? Obviously, Deshaun Watson, I I would think to say, is probably a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. Somewhat similar playing styles, but in my opinion, completely different offenses. So does that worry you at all for Hopkins? It does. I mean, you know, normally Hopkins is one or two. Um, I have him ranked fourth heading into this year. Uh, 
so, you know, uh, but is, you know, is, is it a huge difference? No. Uh, you know, last year was fifth in total points, which, you know, is good. But, I, you know, it, I think he matches this past year's numbers, but I'm not expecting it to go higher. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he even dropped, maybe lost 10 or 20 points um, because, you know, the way that team is spread out, you know, if teams double team Hopkins, they've got Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald to throw to. So it's not like, you know, like in Houston, there wasn't many options. It was, you know, you looked at Hopkins and you hope if Hopkins, if you could even see a slither of his jersey, I think he's throwing the ball, you know, in the offense in Arizona, that's not going to happen that way. I mean, Kyler Murray's going to look and he he doesn't he doesn't know Hopkins enough and doesn't play with Hopkins like Watson has, doesn't know what he can, you know, trust if he throws it that way that he'll catch it. Now he should, but you know, he may be a little gun shy if he looks at Hopkins and he's double covered and sees Fitzgerald wide open over here. Well, he should be smart and throw it to Fitzgerald. Watson right. wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Watson would have just forced it in. Hopkins would have still made the one hand to catch. Um, but that's that's going to be different. Kyle Murray's only in the second year. He may not have that much uh, faith yet in that scenario. So we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I have him, like I said, I have him fourth. Normally he'd probably be uh, second overall, if not first with, you know, with Michael Thomas or right up there with Thomas. I want to say, don't forget about Hakeem Butler breakout year for Hakeem Butler there in that Arizona offense. Okay. One catch. Hey, one was, catch is all, a, all Butler needs for a breakout after last year. Look, he last was year. incredibly consistent last year. He had zero <laughs> worthwhile games. Yeah, and that's yeah. all we have over here right. talking about consistency. So, breakout yeah. year in 2020, Hakeem Butler. Just you well, lie. He's no we, Keyshawn Johnson. No, that's K-E-E, not K-E-Y. Yeah, right. <laughs> Give him the damn ball. Before we uh, get to Matt's uh, true favorite receiver, uh, there was, looking at your undervalued players, there was one guy that kind of popped out to me, which is Cole Beasley, a guy I've gotten uh, late in a couple of drafts. I think mm-hmm. with uh, Diggs going to Buffalo and John Brown there, that he's almost been the forgotten man. What Absolutely. do you like about Beasley? Well, what I like is that he was he was very consistent last year uh, and surprisingly consistent. Man, you want to talk about the guys that surprised me the most when I did all these numbers and looked at these numbers? Like, wait a minute, how is Coles Beasley that high? But, you know, he's basically Josh Allen's security blanket. He is the Julian Edelman of that team. You know, when he needs the, the clutch catch, he needs that third down, he needs somebody to rely on. Beasley sitting there, and obviously they work well together. Um, Diggs coming to Buffalo – really, I think, hurts John Brown more than it hurts Cole Beasley. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm getting Cole Beasley, like, round 20, you know, whatever, like, seventh wide receiver. And let's be honest, even if he drops off a little bit, he's still worthwhile. Uh, You know, he's 34th in total points. I mean, think about that. That's total points, not consistency. Let's not even talk about consistency. The fact that Cole Beasley was in the top 36 in fantasy points overall. You, You win that bet. Every day of the week at a bar, just you know, where do you think Cole Beasley ranked in, <laughs> in total points last year, fantasy wise? Nobody's going to say under 50, probably. Uh, but he would, and then, like you said, 19th in consistency. So, like you said, his ADP is ridiculously off the charts. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm drafting him all the time. He's on almost every one of my best ball teams, you know, and like I said, is my sixth or seventh wide receiver. And you know what? There's going to be games where he's going to come through for me. So I'm all in on that one for sure. All right, Matt, go ahead. Bring up bring up the worst 
wide receiver in fantasy football, in my opinion. But go ahead. All right. So probably the most uh, the most exciting debate uh, among us is is about Amari Cooper. Uh, oh boy. You know who I have enjoyed. It's not going to go well for you, Matt. Me, Matt, or this Matt? That Matt. But go yeah. ahead. Another person on my side for Amari Cooper. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say your piece. Uh, whether, however you feel about him, it okay. would be undeniable that uh, he has some huge peaks and valleys, which I'm guessing is not uh, incredible for this rating <laughs> method. So the floor is yours uh, to validate all of the other Matt's feelings about Amari Cooper. So a a guy named Tommy Moe, who's out there on the fantasy world, you guys may follow him as well. Uh, He nicknamed Amari Cooper the fantasy locust. And I have now used that as one of my favorite uh, words for Amari Cooper because he will eat your team alive. Um, (laughs) Let me just throw this out here. Last year was Amari Cooper's career year. He was 10th in fantasy points. But even more important was his career year of consistency at a whole 63%, which ranked him 21st overall. I'm actually surprised it was over 50, to be honest, having ridden the the Amari Cooper train. When you look at his ADP being top 10, I just, I, for the life of me, don't understand. I guess all the people who are Amari Cooper fans don't read any consistency information. Yeah, um, they just look at the total of, points like, and they can look. You, this have, guy you have to stay away points. from the things that are hurtful in your life. I'm trying to be hurtful. I'm just telling you numbers. He went from 35th to 18th, 10th. So everybody says he's top 10, top 10 fantasy points. This is exactly why I do this guy is for this reason only. No, not this reason only. Um, but can he improve? Absolutely. Here's the thing. Mike Evans, until two years ago, was the Amari Cooper of the NFL. He was my poster boy for being top 10 in total points and pitiful in consistency. And then all of a sudden it just clicked and then he became a more consistent wide receiver. So mm-hmm. Cooper could certainly turn it around, but the problem is now you've added CD lamb and Michael Gallup, uh, you know, CD lamb to Michael Gallup and him. So now you've got three wide receivers. I don't see how he could be, how he could be more consistent when you've added he just went out and drafted one of the top wide receivers in the you know in, in college football last year. I I don't see how it's going to work. Especially now out. that he's not playing for a contract. Either. Right, and so you know that tells me is that basically Mr. Jones said um, we're not going to pay Cooper. We've already we franchised him, but we're not going to pay him. So let's just get this kid, let Cooper walk next year, and we'll move forward without him. And I think that's exactly why they got C.D. Lamb. I don't like the Mike Evans comparison there because I was on the Mike Evans sucks train for a couple of years too, and then he had to prove me wrong last year. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that's yeah. you know I, I always keep an open mind. I mean I I don't bash a player until they if they've proven themselves. Um, Cooper just hasn't proven himself, and the thing is is the is the amount of of just love that this guy gets in oh, fantasy ADP wise, and I see him getting drafted and you know like I said in the top ten, and I'm like okay. Take him. That's just one less person I have to worry about being drafted in front of me. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I hate the strong word. I don't hate him. Yeah, no, no, I don't hate him. I'm just telling you. You're the not number. at a Melvin Gordon level of dislike yet. That is true. <laughs> I do not hate him the way you hate Melvin Gordon. I, I, I agree with everything you said, though. I, I've argued for years that Amari Cooper is has been overvalued, overdrafted. I've said I th- he think I think he's a really good wide receiver too, and a lot of people dislike that take. 
Granted, he cost me a lot of bets last year because I bet he would not finish in the top 10, and he shut me up with that pretty quick. Hey, uh, uh, can you make that same bet this year just for me and my fantasy teams? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that again just to help everybody else out, you know? Well, who else do you need me to jinx? Because I, I did it a lot to myself a lot last year. Just like Dak Prescott, hey, not that good in career year. You're a, you're a so, giver. That's, yeah, that's I all am, I can say. Right. I'm here to help everybody else win and me to lose at right. everything. So uh, maybe turn the uh, the page to a forgotten position uh, yeah. or, or a crapshoot position if you don't have Kelsey or Kittle, uh, which is tight end. I was kind of interested uh, on your undervalued. You have a couple of guys that seem like they're uh, on the cusp of getting their kind of big chance in Ian mm-hmm. Thomas uh, who finally Greg Olson has actually moved on, and Hayden Hurst, who right. gets a chance in Atlanta. What stood out about those two guys? Well, I think, uh, you know, the key is, one, um, the situations they're in. Obviously, as you said, you know, Ian Thomas now becomes the full starter uh, in Carolina. You know, in those brief times where he got to play a full game without Olson there, he did have very good games and earned some clutch games in those time frames. So, you know, he certainly proved that. Plus, you bring in a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, who is kind of a, you know, a dink and dunk kind of guy. He likes the short passes. He's not a deep thrower. Uh, you know, he certainly showed that when he played for New Orleans last year. A lot of short passes to Thomas and, and Jared Cook. So I really like Ian Thomas from that standpoint based on, you know, fact of one, he's a full-time starter, and two, he gets a quarterback that seems to fit fit that scheme better. Um, and then Hayden Hurst, again, you know, this kid showed last year a couple games when they threw – through some deep passes to him in Baltimore that he can stretch the field. And basically he walks into, you know, Austin Hooper spot, which was doing the exact same thing in Atlanta. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, he's, he certainly is not going to be the focus of that offense. So people are not going to be keeping an eye on him kind of like Austin Hooper was. So I see Hurst is definitely getting that opportunity to become the, you know, fantasy star that he was. Is he kind of like Hooper though? He, is he going to be consistent? That's the thing. You know, Hooper was kind of like the Amari Cooper of tight ends. You know, he scored a lot of points, but his consistency was always around 50, 60% at best because he'd have a huge game, score two touchdowns, and everybody thought this is it. He's this breakout. And then the next two games, he goes two for two for eight. That's what I'm worried about a little bit. But, you know, we'll see what, you know, he definitely got a little more consistent last year uh, in Atlanta. So we'll see how that comes into play, you know, um, with, with Hayden Hurst going to Atlanta. This last uh, 15 minutes has made me take a hard look at all my fantasy teams where I have Amari Cooper and Austin Hooper stacked up in the starting lineup. I'm not feeling so good, guys. That's all right. That's what uh, here. Before Dennis gets to his IDP question, who's who's a tight end? Uh, I guess I would phrase it like Amari Cooper. Who's the guy that you see is getting overvalued ADP-wise that your, your consistency guy is telling you is not quite as good as people are drafting him as? Um, the guy that I probably would, would go with, and I hate to say this, but is Zach Ertz. Um, you know, he's always right there with the Kelsey Kittle Ertz. And I'm like, um, you know, let's look at last year's numbers. Fourth in total points, not bad. 67% consistent, fine, but that's eighth overall. I mean, he tied with Mark Andrews. He was behind Hunter Henry. He was behind Jared Cook and Austin Hooper. So how do you put Ertz in round, you know, three, four, five, when, you know, basically, um, you know, who was just, who was also 67% consistent with Ertz, his teammate, Dallas, Dallas Goddard. Goddard. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So that's a guy that I'm kind of like, I haven't drafted because I'm not going to pick him that high. I'd rather wait to round 10, 11 and take Goddard and get the same, 
same percentage uh, consistency wise and, you know, be okay with that. So yeah, it's much as I hate to say it, Ertz is kind of the guy that I'm just uh, not, not paying the price tag for. So I see this year that you've added the IDP consistency. Uh, those guys from Brazil came on board and, and did yeah. some work. So I, tell me about the process with that and, and how transferable were the offensive uh, formulas that you used to the defensive consistency? Well, basically what we did was we, we um, you know, he took the same calculation system that I had um, and applied it to IDP. Um, you know, the, the thing that I kind of was talking with them because I don't play IDP um, and the ones that I have played, there's usually only like three guys. And so I said to them, I go, well, you know, in, in the calculations for the offensive side, you know, it's, it, you know, you're looking for that clutch factor that gets the top 12 quarterbacks. Well, you know, if you've got one defensive tackle, so, <laughs> you know, as a starter, you, you just want, I guess, 12 defensive tackles to kind of fit as your starter. So that's what I told them. I said, you know, that's, you know, make sure you have that ability to change the number of, of uh, starting defensive players in your league. Um, I just got into a uh, draft with, I don't remember who, IDP Nation, uh, where we're drafting 22 players, starters. So we're drafting like, I forget, 40 players, but you start 11 offense and 11 defense. So you have two defensive tackles, two D defense, all going to be on your team. So all of a sudden now I'm like, Ooh, okay, this is going to be entertaining. Um, so I'm using their information and uh, some help from our boys from Columbus to kind of work through that. But, you know, it's the same concept. You're looking for players who are going to help you on a consistent basis. So, you know, if you're looking at, you know, your defensive tackles or your defensive ends, you know, like here, defensive backs, you know, you've got Logan Ryan at 73%, uh, Eric Reed at only 60%, even though they're one and two, almost in total points last year, you know, Ryan was obviously a, a higher, consist, more consistent defensive back, you know, than Eric Reed was. So, you know, same thing. Jamal Adams was 85% consistent last year. He was one, he was definitely the top one. Sean Williams is 80% consistent as a defensive back. So that's what it's there for. It's, it's there to share that information and uh, they wanted to do it. I, I, I wanted to do it at some point in my life, but I just didn't have the time nor money to have somebody program that for me. So right. they said they wanted to do it. I said, go for it. Let's, let's, let's kind of uh, combine our efforts and they use my stuff on their site for offense. And uh, then I decided I'd let them, I would put their stuff in, into the guide so that uh you know, the IDP folks out there could get some information. And, you know, if you reach out to them and you want to give them your scoring method uh, and, uh, you know, number of IDP guys in your league for starters, certainly hit them up their email and all that's in there and they do reply in English. So you're fine. But, <laughs> but, but if you see their post on Twitter, they're all in Portuguese and you have to hit the translate, but that's all right. right. Maybe we should give Dennis the answers in Portuguese and just see what happens. <laughs> it's it. Maybe he knows it. Maybe he's in. Dennis has been uh, a, I'm a worldly fella. Yeah, exactly. So then Danelle Hunter, you know, he comes out as, as the highest, as the number one ranked uh, defensive lineman, which isn't surprising. Uh, but right. Cam Hayward, who seems to have flown under the radar, right. is the second highest 
consistent. He's got the second highest clutch rate. Right. And th- did that surprise you? Were there any like in the defensive linemen when you looked at it, and and also with the linebackers and defensive back? You know, you've been a, a connoisseur of football for a long time. Right, right. I know you've watched both sides of it as a fan. So were there some guys on there that that you looked at and thought? Man, I, that surprises me. I, it, I I didn't have the impression of them being a, that consistent. I think the one thing that surprised me is how low Nick Nick Bosa was. Um, you know, I realize he, you know, he's the rookie, but right, he's the rookie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always forget which one's which. Yeah, he's the rookie. So uh, again, I I guess I should try to run my new my system. Um, the thing I do for the rookies for offense, see how the rookies <laughs> do defensively when they come into the league. Because you would thought, you know, Nick Bosa seen, didn't he win rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yet he was only forty percent consistent. So I was really surprised by by his numbers more than I was anybody because I thought, oh wait a minute, this guy's. I thought is a stud and, you know, didn't do that great from an IDP standpoint. Obviously that's different than the NFL standpoint. We all know that, but uh, that one I think was the one that surprised me the most was how low Nick was. I wonder if his, if it had to do was his snap percentage down. Did he play mostly as a rotational person to possibly uh, keep himself fresh to get sacks? Well, and to learn the system and understand, you know, I'm sure just like, on the offensive side, the rookies don't see as many targets because they're learning the game. They're learning the plays, you know, they're, it's kind of a, uh, live, live, uh, live by fire kind of thing. So my thought is probably that's what happened with him as well. Um, but yeah, that was, I think that was a bigger surprise than, and Hayward was a surprise because I kind of thought he was the quote old guy and washed up and there he is right there, you know, consistency wise, right near the top. So, you, you know, you can count on his points from week to week. Yeah. Man, Bosa had 25 quarterback hits, nine sacks, 16 tackles for loss. But it just feels like he should have been higher. Yeah, right. I was surprised. Yeah. So is there? So you're starting to get into the uh, the IDP stuff. In the short time you've been doing that, uh, what are your takeaways? Well, I think it's like anything, you know, it's, it's opportunity. It's, it's number of snaps. You know, you want to look at all those things, uh, you know, the, maybe the schemes, you know, obviously if they change teams, so, you know, go for a three, four to four, three, all of a sudden, maybe a guy that was a stud in a three, four goes and now not going to be as productive. So those are definitely a big deal. Uh, but that's why I kind of rely on those guys being the experts in that because, it, you know, I have enough to, hard enough time keeping up with what I got. <laughs> so, but it's interesting because I, you know, learning, I never was an IDP guy. never really followed the defenses more than just team defenses. You know, who's going to get more interceptions, that kind of thing. Um, so this is kind of cool. And I, I'm glad people out there have sent me a lot of thank yous and, you know, for, for getting into the IDP world. And I think my long time goal, long-term goal is that I'm going to get the chart, you know, the, the, the report on my site so that you can put in your own scoring method and do that. These guys have it all in Excel. So you have to send them the information to do it, um, which is fine, you know, and they'll do it for you. They're very nice guys. Uh, very, very excited about uh, being a part of this. Uh, but maybe long-term I might, uh, you know, try to get it programmed now that I've got somebody that understands the, the report and the whole background of it. Um, that's how we took the football one and turned it into a baseball one as a guy just kind of just re, re, uh, readjusted things and got baseball stats into football stats. And we created a, a baseball report that you can put in your scoring method and see who the most consistent players are. So 
I assume we'll be able to easily do it for linemen too, but it's just one of those things. It's time and money. Yeah, I, I have a 16-team league that we start nine IDPs in. Oh, yeah. And it has uh, boosted scoring, so like a tackle for a defensive lineman is, or a defensive tackle is four points. Mm. So it's I, – I had uh, – last year I had Grady Jarrett had a 30-point game. Wow. Yeah. So it, it was nice. Well, I have a feeling in this IDP Nation one that I'm doing that I've got – They've they said that they have adjusted it so that defensive players are as valuable as offensive players. And you know how if you go into my my fantasy league and you can go into the scoring from last year, so right? You can yeah. See with the scoring method and how they would have done. Th- uh, four out of the top ten players overall total points were defense players. Wow. Yeah, that happened in this that league, and that was the whole point of yeah. the. Uh, balance scoring format that I put in yeah. 10 of the top 40 scorers were defensive. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, uh, it, it was probably, uh, I want to say three of the top 10. So Darius Leonard was, was up there. Right. You know? I think Hunter was up there. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of safeties like Buda Baker and Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, those kind of guys. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, right it's on. interesting. I'll just have to see how this ends up. Thank goodness for our boys from Columbus have helped out quite a bit too. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. <clears throat> but All right, anyway, Matt, you going to bring us home? Yeah. So, Bob, obviously, thank you so much for, for jumping on My with pleasure. us today. We really appreciate it. Let everybody know uh, where they can find you on Twitter. Again, where else they can get the uh, get the guide and everything. As we've mentioned, it is really is a great tool to use to help you build your teams if you want to win fantasy football leagues. The, the big guy's website, everything that you want to promote, go ahead and give it to our listeners. Well, first off, again, thank you guys for having me. Always a pleasure. Maybe we'll do this again in July as we get a little bit closer to draft time. We hope that'll be draft season will be August. We hope that we're not going into October. But anyway, uh, thanks again. But uh, so Twitter, Bob underscore Lung. Uh, website, bigguyfantasysports.com. Uh, if you need to email me, it's just bob at bigguysfantasysports.com. And then, of course, like you said, the guide uh, and all the stuff that help you with consistency, you can get it on the website. But I I always recommend this. Here's the best way and most uh, what I call efficient and effective way of getting all the information you need. Go to Amazon, buy the guide. It's uh, $12.99, $13.99 on there. And then at the bottom of every page, there's a code that you can come back and upgrade to the whole VIP access to the site for the whole year. So that gets you the consistency report, so you can find out who the most consistent players are, the prop bet consistency tool, um, you know, baseball consistency, all that stuff. Get everything for the whole year for only ten more dollars. That's the best bargain that you can do. That way, you have your hard copy, printed copy of the book. Then you have access for the upgrades and the updates for all the tier draft lists and that kind of stuff all season. Get you ready for the draft and all the access you have to me. I'll answer any questions, help out with whatever you want. And that's the best way to do it. And, and hopefully I can help some people turn their teams around and be more consistent this year. Yeah. And we love a deal. Yeah. And you guys have obviously a PDF copy. So if you want to give away free copies to any of your listeners, by all means, just, you know, maybe have a contest or a Twitter thing or whatever. Send them a free PDF. Not a problem. I have no problem with that at all because, you know, if that introduces a new person to the consistency world and they become a buyer and a subscriber, then that's benefit to everybody. So knock your socks off. All right. Well, we will. Right definitely- Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you again for allowing us to do that. And again, thank you for, for jumping on with this, Bob. We really appreciate it. 
Stay safe. Have yourself a good weekend. And to everybody else, have yourself a nice Memorial Day weekend. We will be back on Monday. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. It is in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.